Welcome to the Podcast of Power, the only Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power podcast on the internet. 100% medically accurate. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is Mr. Chris Dashu. I prefer to be called Uruk. Thank you oh, very much. sorry, sorry. That's he was a just walking racist. around. He was, just walking around. <laughs> he was just walking around calling us Uruk over and over again. Udon. Yeah, the name of the episode, Udon. It's like a type of noodle, right? Buckwheat noodle. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> I wanted to message you on Facebook so bad. I'd be like, why do they keep talking about noodles? <laughs> well, why is it called Udon when they keep saying Nampat, Nampat? Udun oh. is the name of the mountain. Oh, Udun. Well, Udun. Doom. So, well, Udun is the valley that uh. that becomes Mordor. Mm. So, Udun is is where Udun, as we find out very quickly in this episode, is a very important part of the world, ladies and gentlemen. Do you mean Mordor? Oh. <laughs> Mordor. I love it. I mean, look, that there is a whole thing. There are a couple of YouTube creators who make really well done J.R.R. Tolkien content, but they pronounce the Quenya correctly. And oh, so boy. they really are like Sauron. Sauron. It's, I mean, they trill the R's. Look, I mean, it's a real language. George R. or George R. R. Martin. Jesus Christ. Speaking of real languages and fake languages, J.R.R. Tolkien. I mean, that's a whole thing. It's he was a linguist, so you know the Quenya language is a real thing. Yeah, but his he, wife was very lucky. <laughs> we can oh, swear on this podcast, right? Can we? Yeah, we were supposed to. Yeah, sorry, no swearing on pod. Yeah, fucking get out of here. We're so close to the end of the show. It doesn't even feel like it, but apparently we are. Well, we have the joining of two storylines. We have no Harfoots or dwarves to be seen, but we've got two of our main elf characters coming together. We've got a battle that rivals Helmsteep. No, no, it's <laughs> we have it's idiot. We have idiot orcs. We have dumb, dumb, dumb orcs. That's what we have. Yeah, and we've got a lot of cannon fodder humans because this battle that takes place through this episode it is a multi-stage battle you've got your mini boss your other mini boss your big boss and basically the humans lose sorry but they're not doing too good because apparently however many years ago they came up with this ingenious plan where that sword we've been talking about that morgul blade it just unlocks a little thing that unlocks all kinds of breaks a dam all kinds of water comes in and don't you know when you add water to lava instant volcano yeah so when you add water to a volcano it's a bunch of steam and there you go it's i don't know what to think like i don't think i Here's the thing. I, I We mentioned early on, like in the second or third episode, so like three episodes ago, I was like, hey, Mount Doom's going to explode in this show. Oh, yeah. Here we are. It has happened. And like, I don't think any one of us could have predicted how it was going to happen, but it makes sense in a way. Like now I understand what the orcs have been doing this whole time. Right. And it makes sense. And you know what? Give give this give this show it credit where credit is due. I didn't see that coming. I didn't understand what was going on. Maybe there are people smarter than me out there. Well, oh, well, you should have known they're digging the trenches. Like, no way. They did a very good job of not letting us know what that sword did. What mm -hmm. was the MacGuffin, essentially, the six episode MacGuffin? Like, they didn't let us know what the point of it was. And now that I understand what the point of it was, okay. Like, I kind of, I, I mean, yeah, sure. 
And what did Adar say? He's like, hey, orc brother, I'm going to hook you up so you don't have to worry about walking around in the daylight anymore because he does create basically an eternal night right around Mordor. So, yeah, man of his word. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I really appreciated about this episode that I was not expecting, way to make Adar kind of sympathetic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Joseph Molly, up until this point, he's been very like mustache twirling villain, like, oh, kill this kid to prove your loyalty to us. Now it's like almost seems like he is put upon, Mm -hmm. you know, like he's doing this out of a sense of like obligation to the orcs because he because he something that we've never had any explanation in Lord of the Rings up until now, though I I think I mentioned it because it's part of the source material. Orcs are fallen elves. And now in the show, they've gone and mentioned it. And he is the original, he's one of the original Uruk, Adar, Adar is. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing that's never been mentioned in the movies up until this point. And And it it makes sense now his name too. Right. Because he's an elf. Right. He is an elf. He's a fallen elf. Well, and he's the father of the orcs. So he's one of the original orc. Yeah, exactly. Somehow he manages to help progenitate these orcs. I was thinking that he was planting them because we saw the Urukai coming out of the ground and we see that scene at the beginning where he's planting these seeds. But then they call back to that later on when it's like, oh, you plant these seeds before battle in order to kind of replenish the woods and all this. I'm oh, well, that's kind of cool. This actually it moves along. I watched this episode twice now. The first time it took a little bit to get going just because it is so multi-stage as far as like, okay, now the tower fell. All right. And now we're over here. Oh, we took care of all these people. Wait a second. They're actually humans. Oh, my bad. And then we get to the final stage and it's like, oh, we're fucked. So it just moves pretty good. The second time I watched it, I was like, oh, wow, this is just blazing along. Well, and that's the other thing about this that I wasn't expecting is you have a converging of the storylines like they're coming from Numenor and then they're there. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering how fast those boats move. I was also wondering how many horses are in those boats, man, because man, lot, they, got, apparently. <laughs> they got a lot of horses at the end there. A friend of the show and watcher of the show, Father Malone and I were talking about it, and he mentioned it seemed a little ride of the Rohirrim E. Oh, very much. I was looking for them at the dawn of the fifth day type of thing. Yeah, and I would I would agree. I, I think it's I think it makes sense from a style standpoint to show it that way. But yeah, there's logistically it's like this some of this doesn't make any sense i i really didn't think that they were that close to one another either because they're just you see them riding and then all of a sudden they're there where the conflict is with bronwyn and arondir and it's like whoa whoa there i that's i think for me even though mount doom exploded even though mount doom exploded this episode the thing that was most surprising for me was the fact that now these storylines have officially converged and Arondir and Bronwyn and all of those humans are saved by Isildur and Elendil and Galadriel. I was not expecting Galadriel and Arondir to interact by the end oh, of this yeah. first season. Did you? Well, and then I like how he's just like, oh, that's Galadriel. She's the king of the northern or the uh, general of the northern armies. I'm like, oh, OK, I guess everybody knows everybody. That, that's pretty cool. Well, she's famous, right? I mean, it's yeah. uh, we, we see when they were in Numenor, I mean, you see them with like, you know, puppets of Galadriel, right? Because they're thousands of years old. So it's, I just wasn't expecting it that quickly. Mm -hmm. But now that we're at this point, it opens up this show in a lot more ways. 
because now it's like, well, now the thing I was expecting to take place in season two or three is already here. Like Galadriel mm-hmm. and Arondir and Bronwyn, they're already all together. Like, whoa, that that presents a lot of interesting directions for the show to go now. Well, and it was very odd how quickly Halbrand is there. And it's just like, oh, uh, you need somebody to take this burden off of your shoulders. Well, actually, we got the forgotten king over here. Let me just reinstate him right now. Yeah, okay. I I didn't know what to think of that. I think there's this this idea in my mind that there's some big twist with this character. And I think every everybody who's watching the show is kind of expecting something in that vein, like a big twist or he is he is someone that we know from movies slash source material already. So he could I mean, we've talked about the Witch King of Angmar. Maybe he's not a villainous character. I don't know. Yeah, it, there was a little well, bit. You of- still wonder how he got on that raft. And he makes mention of that, like not that noble, you know. You right. don't know how I got on that raft. And they're like, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think of the Halbrand character. He's an interesting, he's an interesting character because again, like we have that scene in Numenor where he's breaking dudes' arms and he's like, I'm Halbrand. And it's like, that's the same character now that we're supposed to be, I guess, like rooting for. I don't, I don't understand. I guess I don't understand what are we supposed to think of the Halbrand character is my question. Cause the last time he was doing anything on his own. He was breaking the arms and legs of men in Numenor who were assaulting him. And now he's a hero. I just couldn't, I can't figure out what the show is trying to get us to understand about his character. Right. Right. And then I'm very curious what Adar did to him. I was waiting for, I was waiting for him to be like, do you remember, remember me? And Adar's just like, I have no idea who you are. Just that classic villain just put down, like, I might've ruined your family, taken, you know, the everything from you, but you're just so insignificant. I don't even know your name. And he does it. I mean, he, he hits him with it. I mean, it's, it's, it's very Thanos, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, and you know, that's, I, yeah, I don't know where they're going with the Halbrand character. It's. I thought there. I don't know. I don't know because it seemed like they were going one direction, and maybe it's it's not that. I I hope that he's not. I see, like he's supposed to be Aragorn, is what it feels like, right? Oh yeah, definitely. But he is way more more chaotic evil. I mean, I would think that like you know Aragorn's more like lawful neutral type of character. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Halbrand, it's it's weird. Like I I haven't I haven't gotten a sense of who his character is in the show. I don't think has done a very good job of giving us uh, an opportunity to get an insight to his characters. Maybe that's coming, but mm-hmm. we're supposed to have been shown kind of opposing ideas about him. At once he saves Galadriel, and another time he's just breaking dudes' arms of want and abandon. Like, are we supposed to feel sympathetic for this character? Are we supposed to be? I don't know. He's an he's an interesting character because a lot of these other characters were not invented for the show. These are characters where we know where they're going. So like Halbrand and Arondir and Bronwyn, like they don't have a source material counterpart. So like with the Harfoots, like we know that those characters, we know that the Harfoots existed, but we don't know specific characters. And mm-hmm. so I think. You know, like with Doran or with Galadriel, like we know what happens. But with the non-source material characters, that wiggle room is what is exciting about this show. Because that's where the twist comes from, are characters that we don't know. And I, I think the twist works in this episode. I don't know. I didn't expect it. Did you? Which twist are you the, talking the, about? The, the twist that the the sword was gone. That the, oh, the villains right. succeed. I mean, the oh. best of the heroes' abilities, they can't stop it from happening. I mean, I knew something was up as soon as 
he came out of the little house and was just like, hey, human trader guy, I've got a task for you. And I was like, oh, he's doing the old switch. So when they were carrying around the sword in the the sword, quote unquote, in the little cloth, I was just like, that's not the sword in there. I was just like yelling at my TV. Just cut that open. Look at it. It's not the sword. See, I I didn't pick up on it. I don't know why. Normally, I'm like yourself, pretty adept at picking up on those things. But I think it's to the show's credit. The pace of this episode is so fast that it doesn't give you a lot of time to sit with the characters. It's really about this conflict between Adar and Arondir and Bronwyn. And I think those scenes inside of the kind of tavern are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like they have a fair amount of tension. I mean, we know. I guess we don't know if Bronwyn's going to die. I assume right. she's going to be around for a lot longer, but there was a moment in this episode where I was like, are they just going to kill her? Like, I guess I don't know where the show is going. So they could, they don't, but yeah. there was a fair amount of tension in that scene. I felt. I agree. I agree. I like that. They brought back the whole thing with the seeds and the burning and all that, though. It was kind of bogue to make that kid burn his own mother. <laughs> It's one of these things where they introduce it at the beginning of the episode and then it comes back into play later in the episode. Like you can introduce it earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the same episode. It's a like, I don't know. I, I always have an issue with that kind of storytelling and stuff where it's like you, you don't have to introduce it the same episode. It could be planted two or three episodes ago, especially in a show where it's like on a previous episode of Rings yeah. of Power. Exactly. And then you watch that and you're just like, oh, this is going to come back. Oh, right. there's a reason why they showed us this shot. Okay. I remember in Game of Thrones, the episode where they there's a big like seasons long twist revealed and they did that whole like on a previous Game of Thrones and they referenced something that was like four seasons ago. And you're like, finally, it's happening this episode. And they, <laughs> if you didn't know that it was coming beforehand, you never would have known. So they like gave it away immediately. Yeah, it's it sucks to be a smart fan is what it feels like in a oh, lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Well, it was kind of funny because on She-Hulk this week, she actually makes a reference to, you know, do you even remember who this character is? Yeah, we should do a previously on. And then she just like breaks the fourth wall and they suddenly (laughs) do a previously on and they reintroduce this character. And you're like, oh, okay, this is that guy. All right. Because like she's right. And the writers are right. There was no way I was going to remember who this one very small character was that showed up like four episodes ago. And they keep referencing this attack in the opening previously on and i'm like is this ever gonna come back like at some point we're gonna that one creepy guy that she was on that blind date with he's gonna come back and i know that he's got to have something to do with this that and the other thing so yeah it it does suck being a, a smart fan i do try sometimes just skip the previously ons like with this show being on amazon i'm like okay skip the commercials all right skip the previously on all right skip these credits they go on for way too long (laughs) just like take me to the show oh yeah three yeah it would be three skips yeah you know i don't know like in the day in the day and age of streaming i almost feel like they don't need previously ons yeah that's like a tv show over the air terrestrial tv show thing right well it's funny because with when you're when you're binging something they will generally just skip that, which mm-hmm. is nice. But since we're not binging this, since we're watching this week by week, then we're getting the previously on and we're getting the preview at the end. But when we go back and re- we rewatch this, we won't get any of that. It'll just feel like one long eight hour plus movie. Well, and I think that this episode more so than definitely the last one, this one really feels very Peter Jackson-y. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know? you're right with the Rohirrim and just the way that the battles are. <laughs> what was up with that orc with the knife in his eye? And when he pulls out the knife, he, the orc is bleeding, but the blood doesn't look right to me. It looked almost like big globules. I thought like he hit a jackpot. Like it almost felt like black coins were coming out of the orcs. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is that? I honestly, the issue I had with that scene and we've talked about it once already with the show is like, that's mighty convenient. Oh yeah. He's struggling and he's struggling and he's struggling. A is about to be stabbed by this giant orc oh, and yeah. he's struggling and he's, and the knife is getting closer and closer. And then she saves him right as he is literally about to die. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, one second later and he's dead. I don't like that storytelling convention. I really, I'm sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. We keep getting the arrow or sword through the back type of thing. You yeah. know, he's going to get saved. It's, yeah. I don't I don't understand why you would do that in this story when it's been ba- made very apparent that Arondir is a character that's going to be sticking around for quite some time. I was thinking that that was going to be the moment when the ships come sailing into the harbor, thinking that they were still on their ships, like the ships would come sailing in and they'd be like, that elf is being attacked by an orc. Oh, and they take care of them. And I'm like, oh, this is where the two storylines are going to match up because the way that they end up finally marrying doesn't feel right because that tavern is so dark. It feels like nighttime. And then the horse riders are riding in the daytime. And I'm just like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Timeline, timeline wise. I'm like, how is this going to match up? Because we're night and day literally here. And then when they come out of the tavern, it's like, oh, they just had no windows in that tavern. Okay. I mean, I guess it is their keep. So, well, it's something that Game of Thrones did, and this show has now done it a little bit. Game of Thrones did it a lot in its eighth season. It stops caring about distances that the show has established. Like in Game of Thrones, you have characters going from one end of the map to the other end in one episode. And earlier on in the show's run, they would have spent They spent, again, like I've mentioned to you before, they spend three seasons with one of the main characters in another place from the rest of the show. And it takes her three seasons to get to the rest of the characters. But then in the final season, she's just flying around everywhere, like going from A to B to C. And it's like a sense of time and space is important with TV because you have that amount of time. You're not, it's not a movie in a movie. You don't question it unless you're being told to question it in a TV show, especially one like this, where there's clearly a lot of room and a lot of land to cover The Harfoots have been traveling all season and juxtapose that against the Rohirrim stand-ins just showing up, (laughs) literally just like showing up. And you're just like, oh, I guess they're here now. I was, that's the most shocking thing. Like I know Mount Doom exploding is one thing, but I was so surprised that they were already just there. Yeah. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it makes sense. Yeah. I'm, it's been a while since I had a map of Middle Earth up on my wall. (laughs) (laughs) like I would have when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm like this just, yeah. Time and distance because Mordor is pretty far over to the East there. And if anything, I thought they would have been again, like traveling in on the river and getting close and then jumping up, but we just kind of lose them for a while. 
Well, I, I think that that was their way of saying like, oh, they're traveling is by not showing them. And it's like, that's, I don't like that either. Cause then that's just like, well, we're not going to, we're, we're just going to let you fill in the gaps. And they were just traveling the whole time. I'm not a fan of that either. Cause it's, it's lazy or it's over explanatory, I guess. I, I don't know. There's a happy medium there. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we had seen, if we had seen nothing of them, all episode and it had all taken place at the village where they were fighting where adar and arandir were fighting and bronwyn was all that and that if that were longer and almost the whole episode it would have been impactful when they show up at the end because you're like oh right you just show them leave you need they don't even show them landing so i don't understand why they couldn't have just waited all episode to show them. It didn't make any sense because the scene with Galadriel and Isildur is not much of anything. Right. Doesn't really establish much, though we were talking a lot about Isildur's mom in this episode. Right. Like, who is your mom? Where is your mom? What's your mom doing? And and, and again, you know, Say Galad- hi to your mother for me. Galadriel hints at Isildur being more important in, in the grand scheme of things. But again, like that's that's not fun either. Char- one character talking cryptically to another about things they know are going to happen like um come on jj abrams like do we you don't have to withhold all the information from us just because we're the audience and and i don't i don't know like they they don't do a lot of effort in giving a sealed or much they still haven't given him much of a character he's we're on the sixth episode now we've seen him in three or four of the last six episodes and i still know very little about him i don't care very much about him i care more about his dad elendil than i do about him yeah. And, you know, I know that he's just as big of a character, if not bigger than Elendil in the grand scheme of the story, but it's not the actor's fault. I think the writing is just not serving his character. And again, given that he's ostensibly a main character, they should be doing better. Because mm-hmm. I think the I I personally still am a huge fan of Arondir and Bronwyn, even if there's even if now it's been established that Bronwyn has a fair amount of plot armor. Right. Right. Which is lazy and convenient. I mean, now that she's not ostensibly the leader of the humans, the, of the Southlands, what's she going to be up to? Right. I'm very curious where she goes from here because I don't see her staying still. I mean, is she going to have to go on a quest now with Theo and Arandir? I mean, it feels like she's got to have something. And then there's always, you know, the end of this episode is pretty damn devastating with this explosion. And, oh, God, all the fanboys complaining about, oh, uh, there's no way Galadriel could have just stood there and, and withstood the power of this volcano as it was blowing through. And I'm like, she's an elf. It's magic. Do whatever, you know, they, as long as she's got the light, you know, she's fine. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't, I understand the complaint, but also like it's a magical TV show about elves. Yeah. Like, I, exactly. I don't know. Like, I feel like everybody wants to find a reason to hate this show. Be my guest. Like at yeah. this point, at this point, there are plenty of real things to complain about. We just mentioned like four or five of them legitimate concerns that you can have with this show, with pacing, with narrative structure with use of tropes that have been used over and over again. Those are three things you can actually complain about and that you or I would probably 100% agree with, but bitching about the pyroclastic flow would kill an elf. Like, yeah, fuck you. Like, I'm sorry, but elves don't actually exist. We're talking about a fantasy world. Like don't understand what people want. What, what do, what do big internet man babies want? Like, because whatever (laughs) it is, just like, they're not going to get it. So stop asking for it. Yeah. No one wants to kowtow to your bullshit. 
and just everything. Once it's black dwarves, now it's pyroclastic flows, not killing elves. Like the, the one thing that no, I didn't see enough people complaining about is the thing we talked about last episode, which is the mithril nonsense. Like complain more about that, please, because that wasn't good and it's still right. not good. But like going to complain about Galadriel, an elf not dying to a pyroclastic flow. I mean, I get it, but who who cares? And man, what a way to end this episode, though, right? Like what a what an absolute just banger of an ending. Like I didn't again, I know you were kind of expecting the twist, but when the twist happens, like, holy cow, like I wasn't expecting the scope of what happened happening happened at the end of the episode because mm-hmm. who I mean, I have no idea where the show goes from here. Yeah. I don't even know yeah. who's alive anymore. I don't know who's alive. I don't know who's dead. I don't. Yeah. Who's got the diamonds? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be wild next week. I'm very, very excited to see what happens. And it's very strange because, again, we don't have a title for next week, but we do have a little thumbnail on the IMDb of just Galadriel looking at the camera, looking very sad with all of the soot and everything all around her in the big orange sky. And that was what I had seen in the trailers that everybody was like, Mount Doom is exploding this season. Was that orange shot with her covered in ash? And yeah, it's, it's you know, every episode up until this point, it's been like, okay, there's a little bit of a teaser at the end. There's a little bit of a cliffhanger, but this is... This is like changes the show's complexion almost entirely, because what it feels like is probably the next episode is going to go back and show us everything from the Harfoots and the elves that aren't there and the dwarfs. It's probably going to show us that and then bring us back with the final episode to like the the fallout from after this episode's ending. And I hope and that would make sense because we don't know what the Harfoots are doing, but they're in the Southlands. We don't know what Doran and the elves are doing, but this is going to affect them too. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You know, I'm glad that they now I understand why they left those stories out because this episode would have felt like way too much if oh. they had had all four storylines in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was so I think I told you last week that uh Andrea just is like I can't even pay attention. I don't know what's going on. So before this episode, I sat down with her and I was like, "Okay, there's four storylines and I just ran through all four storylines, tried to give her the best recap that I possibly could. I was channeling my inner guy from Ant-Man, you know, and I was just like, okay, well, there's this, there's this, there's this. And then when the episode started, I was like, oh, well, now we have two storylines. So now there's only three storylines that we have to worry about until this one breaks apart into two, which I have a feeling it will. Well, that's, I mean, my question is, where does the show go from here? Because I guess my expectation was the show would end this season with Mount Doom exploding. And it has ended the seventh, the sixth episode of eight with Mount Doom exploding, which means there have to be one, at least one, possibly two episodes of fallout from what happened. Oh, yeah. And I'm excited to see where that goes, because there are a lot of possibilities for this story moving forward now that it's been established that Mount Doom is exploding within the first six episodes of a five year show. The stakes have been upped immediately. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, the stakes have been just cranked up to 11. They're like a four or a five. But now we understand what the orcs were doing, why they were doing it. Adar survives ostensibly the explosion of Mount Doom. Here's the thing. I don't know how any of these characters could have survived. Right. Because Isildur and Elendil have to survive. That's non-negotiable. 
So how did they survive? It's it's I don't know. It's it's a lot of questions being asked in a short period of time. And I like that scene. I think that's the most Jackson inspired scene that I've seen in the show so far is that the shots of all the water going into it's like that reminded me so much of like what Peter Jackson brought to this series is just an eye for I don't know an eye for just interesting, interesting scenery, interesting landscapes and a sense of. I mean, the story just keeps going. There's a sense of progression. You're not even getting a moment of like rest. You know, all the characters are celebrating. It's like, just kidding. Like in the background, like there's more things going on and here we go. So I don't know. Like it's, it's the show is going at a pace I wasn't expecting, but I'm kind of glad it's not wasting a lot of time getting to the, 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 because this is essentially the epilogue for the st- or the prologue for the story, right? Like I would say the show's probably going to hit its stride in the second and third seasons as most TV shows do, but Mount Doom has to explode for a lot of things in this show to happen. Cuz we still don't even we don't know who and where the fuck Sauron is because oh by the way, they mention that Adar killed him in this episode. Right. What does that mean? Like what is yeah. that what does that mean? I have no idea. Fanboys get angry. I don't know what that means. Was he even telling the truth? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I killed him and took his woman. <laughs> it's, you know, this this show and the Game of Thrones show are very much mirrors of one another. But when we sit, when I sit and watch both of them, I realize the scope of the shows are the same. It's the way that they're going about showing you the scope. In Game of Thrones, it's very much one family wreaking havoc on everybody. In this, it's the orcs wreaking havoc on everybody but we get to see the little stories that are kind of unknowingly connected and we're seeing kind of how they're being connected and i think the next episode we're gonna really see the harfoot connection to the story and we i don't think we're gonna find out who the stranger is on the next episode but we might get more clues as to who he is he might be sauron i doubt it i don't know like we haven't you know us not seeing him this episode was very smart Mm -hmm. because oh yeah It gave this story time to breathe. I do think that the scene in the tavern goes on a little too long. I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a little, I now understand that there were going to be a lot of characters with plot armor in this show. Mm -hmm. Ronwyn is one of them. Theo probably is not one with plot armor, but a Rondir is and Galad, you know, and it's like some of the characters you understand can't die, but other ones like, you know, Bronwyn, like would have been a lot of tension to have Bronwyn die. Like Mm -hmm. maybe there's more, to her character in the future. And I'm sure there has to be given that she doesn't die, but we're still by the seventh episode of the season, at least the sixth one, none of the main characters have died yet. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious to see where they take us with this. And yeah, who knows? Maybe next episode, they just start with, you know, oh, by the way, stranger, we found your name here. It's this. You know. <laughs> it's on your tag. Right. Yeah. Oh, this whole time. Ralph we Lauren. To look for the uh, laundry mark. Yeah. <laughs> Calvin Klein. Just recycle that joke from Back to the Future. <laughs> I will say, though, like this show still pretty good. Even yeah. after last week's kind of stumble, I, I think this is a really good episode of the show. I agree. I agree. Yeah, the whole thing with the mithril is just it's still stuck in my craw a little bit, but I'll yeah. get over it. It's not great. Like it's I think for me, it is actively the worst thing about this show is the mm. handling of mithril and like the weird backstory that they've concocted because it didn't. You didn't need to expound any further on something that was not needing to be explained more than it already was. You don't have to make mm-hmm. it magical for the sake of being magical. It was already like, you know, the thing that everybody wanted, nobody could find, only the dwarfs had access to, and there's a limited amount. Like that, 
why do you need any more than that? So I don't know. I think next episode, we're going to get more about the Mithril. I don't like, I wonder now, given the way that they treated Mount Doom, like, are we going to see Kaza Doom fall in like the next season of this show? Like they're running. They must have a lot of ground to cover yeah. because I know it's like 20 years, I think is how long it is from the explosion of Mount Doom to the killing of Sauron. But like, that's, five seasons of the show man they're gonna have yeah. a time jump from i guarantee the next season of the show takes place like maybe one or two years after this one it has to right at least it seems like it will yeah it feels like each one of these will probably have its own thing maybe the fourth and the fifth season will be the same timeline but yeah i agree with you that the next one will be like you know oh remember five years ago when mount doom exploded right how can i forget and you know what, though? Like, there are four names on this episode that wrote it. Nicholas Adam, Justin Doble, J.D. Payne, and Patrick McKay. As For as many names as there are, I really am impressed. And I know this is going to sound like fanboying, but I am impressed by how smart the Mount Doom thing was. Mm-hmm. How just, like, simple, just diverting water into Mount Doom. Like, yeah, all right. Like, you know what? If that was all this was for the first four to five episodes of the season, is Adar just digging a bunch of trenches for water? Okay. Like, yeah, fantasy ingenuity at its finest. It's not some magical bullshit. It's literally just diverting the water down channels into Mount Doom. Like when that happened, I was like, huh, that's kind of that's kind of ingenious. Like, good on them. So, yeah, the orcs won. The baddies won. Yeah. Cool. I like that. I like you said, I think in the second or third episode of the show, like this is about the rise of evil. And I don't want things to get better. I want things to get worse, 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 and more worse. And, you know, Mount Doom exploding is definitely a, a step in the right direction if you want to see some bad things happening. Yeah, they kind of have to get worse. Oh, they yeah. They have to get real worse. Yeah, because the show started and everything is kind of copacetic. I mean, it's not great, but Mount Doom exploding is going to throw everything in Middle Earth and probably not just Middle Earth for a entire loop. Because again, like, They've been actively trying to prevent this from happening. I don't even know in a lot of ways. You get the sense in this universe that they didn't know what the orcs were doing because they would have stopped them. Mm. So the orcs have been kind of operating clandestinely, but people knew. I mean, people knew what was going on. They just didn't know. So the big questions that still have to be answered, like, how did that sword get there? Like, are they going to explain whose sword that was? And, you know, again, or does it matter? I'm not sure it matters anymore, but I just want the MacGuffin to be gone because, like, this show doesn't need MacGuffin. MacGuffins. We're, we're, we're about to have the MacGuffin. This show, this show is based on the story with the MacGuffin of MacGuffins for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, it's the MacGuffin that's mentioned in the title. It's like the Maltese right. Falcon. It's the, the ring. And it's just as big as a MacGuffin as you can get. So I don't know, man. I'm 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 really excited to get into the last two episodes of this show. But this episode had a hell of a statement at the end, and, and I think it kind of nailed it. I think it definitely stuck the twist ending. So it's really kind of weird. I was just looking at these writers and you mentioned that there's four of them. Nicholas Adams has like no credits or barely any credits to his name, like a documentary called fail state from 2017. And then this episode, and then you get John D Payne and Patrick McKay, and they are writing partners again, barely any credits other than apparently they're doing a remake of flash Gordon which is odd and also uncredited writers on Star Trek beyond. And the trivia for both of them is, is a practicing Mormon like, okay, (laughs) I don't see why that's relevant. Uh, And then I think it's just 
Justin Doble has the credits. He's the guy who has the most stuff. And even then it's like Into the Badlands, The Path, Stranger Things, Lord of the Rings. He's producing. He's writing more than that. Even wrote an episode of Fringe, Almost Human, a couple other things. But it's like, these guys don't have a ton of credits and they're all pretty darn young, which is kind of cool. Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, we kind of, we've mentioned that several times, you know, with who's working on this show outside of, you know, Wayne Che Yip and J.A. Bayona, like, it's not like the biggest and best names of anybody. It's a lot of people that clearly people are putting a lot of faith in, you know, even someone like Jason Cahill. I mean, Jason Cahill worked on The Sopranos. Like that was, and he wrote the third episode of the show, Adar. Like everybody who has worked on this show has some creds, but they're not, it's, you know, it's not like Terrence Winter or Aaron Sorkin. But again, I think to your point, I think, again, you know, the online fans aside, this is a pretty entertaining show. I think it is a complicated show, as you've mentioned with your wife several times. <laughs> it's, you know, again, like wants you to keep track of pre-existing source material that you know about while introducing you to new characters that you should get invested in, even though, you know, some of them cannot die. And that's not easy, but I think they're doing a pretty good job with, with, with what they have, which is a billion dollars and Amazon's backing. So I would hope they're doing a good job. Speaking of that, the visuals in this episode, fantastic. Look like a goddamn movie again. Yeah, looked really good. I didn't see any special effects where I was like, eee, that looks questionable. Not no. like, you know, Book of Boba Fett or something. <laughs> right. Another show made by a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. God, yeah. No, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I love Game of Thrones. I love Lord of the Rings. I love Star Wars. But Lord of the Rings right now is the one that's like getting, I think, its moment to really assert itself as more than just a movie series. I think it's like really asserting itself as like, we can tell a story in a serialized format that people will be interested in. And regardless of the internet trolls, the show is going to get a second and third and fourth and fifth season. And it can only go up from here. It really can. Like if you think this is bad right now, subjectively, that's one thing, but objectively, I don't think you could really complain much about this show. Yeah. I'm pretty happy. Very happy. And nothing else. All right. On the next episode of the Podcast of Power, we are talking about, of course, episode 1.7. We are nearing the end of the first season. And yeah, Chris and I were talking before we started recording, how long between seasons are we going to have? Don't know. A year at least. They're filming right now, supposedly. All right. Supposedly. Like I said early on, I'm sure they have all these folks under contracts for years, so we don't really have to worry about losing characters through that. They probably own their firstborn. So, yeah, we'll be seeing these folks around as they go through. And uh, this is almost making me want to go back and watch, what was that one, Crawl, the Sam Raimi-produced alligator movie, because the lady that plays Galadriel uh, is in that. So I've seen that once, and that was pretty good. there's There's a film that stars Barry Pepper. It is, yeah. What's Barry Pepper up to these days? Oh, man, he was so hot for a little while. Battlefield Earth's own Barry yes. Pepper. And didn't he play, oh, God, Dale Earnhardt Jr. or something? I can't oh, remember. Is that real? That's, I don't know. I think huh. so. And well, then, yeah, she was in St. Maud, which I have yet to watch. but very- Kind of not given much to do. I wish Galadriel was more of a character. Yeah. I mean, she tripped Stop. that horse pretty well. And then it was kind of funny how they had to show that the horse was okay. <laughs> I know. I appreciated that. I was yes. like, what, what a show made in 2022. Yeah. I was like, you can't kill that horse. Oh, it's okay. 
I, I feel like if 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 I do agree maybe with the online criticisms, it's Galadriel is not much of a character. Not yet, no. No. And no, and she Morfin, just is angry. Right. I have a maelstrom within me, like, great. Or like I forget what she says this episode. It's something to that. It's the same shit. It's just like, stop saying those things and just do something. And we see her do stuff in this episode, but it's just like, I don't know. I feel like I understand the criticism with the Galadriel character. She's not much but that being said the scene between her and adar i think is an interesting direction that they could mine with the character of kind of placing her on the defensive about what she did and the evils that she's kind of had to allow herself to do or allow herself to sink to so that was kind of interesting i there was a little bit of nuance a little bit of character building there get her away from the numenorians and maybe we might see something interesting like that's what it feels like like let galadriel go off and do her own thing and stop worrying about Halbrand and everybody else and i think i might have a different opinion of her but yeah she's not just doesn't feel like she's being given much to do even now in the sixth episode of the show yeah i mean queen Muriel, it she's a total wet blanket as well. And it's like, I would like to see her do something and be yeah. something because Agreed. she seems like she could be a cool character. Agreed. I mean, they gave so much to the Harfoots with the main Harfoot character, Poppy. No, Nori, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Nori. They've given her so much. And yeah, it's like every time Galadriel opens her mouth, it's just like some badass sounding thing. It's like, no, if if she's gonna be our main character, like give her more because they've done a lot for the Elrond character. They've given him, I think it helped that they had Durin to play off of Galadriel's all Galadriel's had is like Halbrand who again, seems like a character whose name we're not supposed to know because he's a twist character or maybe not. And then all the Numenorians who, who cares aside from the ones we're told to care about. So yeah, I don't know. I, that's the one criticism I do understand is Galadriel's just, not much of a lead. Like Bronwyn mm-hmm. is a much better lead. Nazanin Boniati's fantastic. Like, all right, give her some time. But even she's kind of sidelined here. So, yeah. Well, until then, Chris, where can people find you? If you want to find the stuff I work on specifically, cstachu.com, C-S-T-A-C-H-I-W.com. That's my link tree. But more importantly, all the things that you and I, Mike, work on for the most part, weirdingwaymedia.com. That's the link tree for, or not the link tree. That is the website for the podcast network that we have created. And you can find all the shows that we work on, along with all kinds of other shows that you might want to check out at weirdingwaymedia.com. What about you, Mike? Where can people find you? Weirdingwaymedia.com. It's just that easy. Just go there. It's a one-stop shop, baby. Yeah. Why do I even pitch cstashy.com anymore? Why does it even know. matter? Yeah, I it's don't know why. It's just all weirdingwaymedia.com. Realistically, yeah, you're right. Like that, yeah. Let me redo that then. Yeah, because you're right. There's no point. I mean, like there is a point, but not as big of a point. You want to find the things that I work on, which are coincidentally the same spot to find things that you work on, Mike, weirdingwaymedia.com. What about you? Where can people find the things that you work on? Weirdingwaymedia.com. Silly. Wow. Same thing twice over. Jeez. Yeah. Say it once more for the people in the back. Weirdingwaymedia.com. Weirdingwaymedia.com. I'm shouting it from the rooftops. Yeah. For the people in the cheap seats. <laughs>